0: The first time it happened, I was sleeping and woke up because I felt a hand on my leg. And I realized that I couldn't move. And he come across this object on the ground, which was the shape of a flying saucer. So he jumped out of his pickup and went down there. And there was four beings laying on the ground. When I raised my head back up, I was turning my head. And out of my peripheral vision, I seen something hop to a tree. And it was tall, about 7-8 foot tall, and it was black, real hairy, like a gorilla. The first thing we saw was this winged creature, 14-foot wingspan at least. It was huge. It almost covered half the road. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Nick. Thanks to everyone for being here today, I hope you all are having a great week so far. The main topic of today's show is something that I think just about all of us can relate to. I can personally remember growing up with board games like Monopoly, The Game of Life, and Clue. It seemed like everyone I knew had a specific closet or shelf set aside for just games. It was an important part of the day when family and friends would get together around a table and enjoy each other's company. Some of my fondest memories include me and my friends having sleepovers and playing board games into the early morning hours. There was one game in particular, however, that my family never owned, but many of my friends did. This board game always seemed like it was a little further back in the closet than the other games and buried just a little bit deeper. Just the sight of it sitting in the back of the closet always filled me with a feeling of curiosity. I am of course referring to a game that we now know as the Ouija Board. Most of us are familiar with the name, whether you've actually played the game or not. What most people are not familiar with is the long and spiritual history behind the Ouija Board and other board games like it. Most people would assume that Parker Brothers or Hasbro were the original creators of the Ouija Board. But in actuality, the game's origins date back to the late 1800s. In fact, different versions of the Ouija board were used as far back as 1100 AD in China. Historical documents prove that people would use a planchette on a piece of paper, which had pictures and symbols on it similar to the Ouija boards of today. During this time, it was more well known as a type of automatic writing. The use of planchette writing was a common method used in necromancy and communion with the spirit world. In other cultures it was known as mediumistic spirit writing, and was practiced in ancient India, Greece, medieval Europe, and Rome. In the 1800s, these tools for communicating with the dead became more popularly known as talking boards or even spirit boards, and were used during the Civil War to connect survivors with the loved ones they had lost. On May 28, 1890, businessman Elijah Bond patented a planchette sold with a board that had the alphabet printed on it, similar to the Ouija boards we know today. The issue date of Elijah Bond's patent was February 10, 1891, and for this reason he is credited with the invention of the Ouija board. At this point, the board was only marketed as a commercial parlor game. In 1901, William Fold took over production of the board and began producing his own boards under the Ouija name. William Fold became synonymous with the Ouija board by reinventing its history and claiming that he was personally responsible for inventing it. From the 1920s through the 1960s, the Ouija board spiked in sales, and in 1966, William Fold's estate sold the entire business to Parker Brothers. Parker Brothers began marketing the Ouija board as a children's game, and in 1987, commercials began to air on television showing young kids playing with the board. During these commercials, an ominous-sounding narrator could be heard taunting the children as they played. It's just a game, isn't it? Isn't it? (laughs) What? Isn't it? Parker Brothers kind of fun. In 1991, Parker Brothers sold the Ouija board rights to Hasbro. Hasbro continued to market the game towards children and families, and continued running commercials that still depicted children playing the game, but without the eerie music and disembodied voice from the earlier commercials. You're moving it! No, I'm not! You're moving it! You're moving it! Would you just quiet? I'm trying to concentrate here, and I'm not moving it! You! Even today, the Ouija board's popularity thrives, and it continues to outsell many other games. So what's so special about a board with some letters and numbers printed on it, you might ask? Well, for some people, the Ouija board is just a fun way to pass the time and maybe even get spooked. But for others, the board holds a much more terrifying significance. Ever since the creation of spirit boards, people have claimed to witness strange things occur, either during or shortly after playing with a Ouija board. Phenomena may involve the planchette seeming to move on its own, while some have encountered much darker activity which involved items in the room being thrown. There have even been numerous cases of people's homes being invaded by malevolent entities during or after an interaction with the board. Some people believe that it is also possible to unwillingly invite possession through a Ouija board. One particular case dates back to 1816, where a young girl in Picardy, France apparently became possessed by multiple entities during a spirit board session. In fact, in 1949, the possession of a 13-year-old boy in Cottage City, Maryland named Ronald Hunkeller, was believed by some to have coincided with the use of a Ouija board. 22 years later, the story of Ronald Hunkiller's ordeal was turned into a book, and two years after that, in 1973, the book was adapted into one of the most well-known movies of all time, The Exorcist. You don't have to look very far to find interesting stories of Ouija board encounters. Here are just a few tales that are believed to be true. Experience number one. I got my board after months of harmless paranormal activity in my house. When I contacted something, Planchette started doing figure eights across the board, which is a huge no-no. That means something demonic was present. I didn't touch it for months. When I tried again, I asked where the spirit was in my room. My vision went spotty. I saw a vivid image of my head jerking back, and the words, With you, were whispered into my ear by something I couldn't see. I sold the board. Experience number two. My friend had mentioned that she had a board, so I asked her to pull the board out so I could check it out. At first, she said no, but then she agreed to do it as long as she didn't have to participate. After she had the board set up, I asked, Is there anyone here? Nothing. So, being a dumb teenager, I said, If anything is in here and not talking, you're a coward. The board was put away after that. Fast forward a week later, I wake up on a stereotypical stormy night. Thunder and lightning, wind and rain, the works. I look around to see why I woke up and couldn't see a thing and decide to try and fall back to sleep. After laying there for about 30 seconds, I hear from downstairs, ''Get the boy!'' in a very raspy, wispy voice. I open my eyes and listen. Nothing. I start to go back to sleep. ''Get the boy!'' It was much louder this time. Then my downstairs door slams shut. I freaked the F out because nobody slept down there, and we had no drafts. Nothing really happened after that. I learned my lesson. Experience 3. Doing the board with six or seven people. Only one of my friends knows Latin, and he is not touching the oracle. The contact starts speaking to us in Latin. This same friend later pulled his hand back from the oracle having received what looks like a small scratch on his wrist. Not bleeding, but bright red as if it was fresh. His girlfriend at the time was plagued by a contact they had made and would wake with strange bruises on her legs. We also contacted something that called itself Z. We think Z was trying to escape, as our friend who was conducting the session told us not to let anything touch all four corners. My friend asked Z if it was an enlightened being, to which it responded, yes. When my friend asked Z how it unlocked all of its chakras, it began to travel back and forth between the picture of the sun and the picture of the medium using the board. These pictures are on two of the corners of the board. This motion increased violently in speed until my friend said rather rudely and shouted, Okay, okay, talk to the sun, I get it. I'm still not exactly sure what any of this meant. Experience number four. I was about 12 or 13, spending the night at a friend's house, goofing around with the Ouija board with him and his sister, and we were getting all sorts of gibberish, plus words spelled out, just kind of scaring ourselves for fun, not taking it very seriously, when we got the message, I can see you through the window, and then, I can see you through his eyes, or something like that. There was just a small window in the basement room where we were, and just the backyard and woods past the driveway visible through the window. We asked it more questions and it said, I'm under the car. So we somehow got up the nerve to go out with a flashlight and peer under the car, where we saw a huge black stray cat, which was hissing. We ran inside, freaking out, and at the exact moment, the power failed and all the lights in the house went out. A few minutes later, the power came back on and we sat up till dawn that night, scared and never played with the board again. Experience number five. The band, Mars Volta, got an entire album out of one of their experiences with a Ouija board. Guitarist Omar Rodriguez Lopez bought an antique Ouija board at a flea market in Jerusalem as a gift for bandmate Cedric bixler zavala The two played with the board after shows, in the tour bus, and they contacted a spirit named Goliath. Omar got nervous when the spirit started making demands in a threatening way and Cedric was becoming obsessed over the game. Omar ended up burying the board. He is the only one who knows where the board is buried. But that didn't stop Goliath, and weird stuff started happening as the band continued working on their new album. There were severe equipment problems. Their drummer quit. Tracks were literally disappearing from the computer. Omar's studio was wiped out by a flood. Cedric suffered a foot injury that required a major surgery. Goliath's story was the basis for their record, but the band tried to balance the chaos with control, such as a song called Metatron, after a saint who is said to cure some of the ailments associated with Ouija boards. The album, called The Bedlam in Goliath, went on to debut at number 3 on the Billboard charts, a career best for the band. So, if we assume that there is some validity to these reports of spirit contact, you may ask yourself how a board game that's made of cardboard and plastic can be capable of such evil. This is actually one of the most common questions of believers and skeptics alike, I've found. I personally don't believe that it's the actual board that creates the portal or a gateway or what have you, I think it's more likely that it has to do with the amount of suggestion that we place on the board. As humans, we give ourselves much less credit than we deserve. Our bodies and minds are made up of energy, and whether you're using that energy to run a marathon or to channel a deceased relative, we all have the ability to choose where that energy is focused. This energy is intensified when you have multiple people focusing on a common goal. In my opinion, the Ouija board is a perfect example of this, because you do have multiple people focusing their will and energy on a singular object, hoping to get results. Furthermore, if you take into account the long history surrounding spirit boards, you have a great deal of energy being focused on a particular object for multiple centuries. That's pretty powerful, I think. So while I don't believe that Ouija boards are inherently evil right off the shelf, I do believe that they can be used to call forth malevolent energy. And in some cases, that bad energy can attach itself to an object just as easily as it can attach to a human. I do think that Ouija boards can be used safely and with positive results, but it's important for the players to understand the possible consequences. I see the Ouija board as more of a tool than a game and therefore believe that you should have experience in dealing with the paranormal before you grab a planchette and start asking the board questions. It's been over, I would say about 25 years since I've used a Ouija board, and I vividly remember the excitement my friends and I felt as the planchette spelled out words and answered questions. We always blamed each other for moving the pointer, but I know in the back of our minds we always wondered if there was something more to it. Now many years and multiple paranormal experiences later, I do believe that there is more to this parlor game than what's written on the box. Guys, I, uh, I really enjoy you being here with me today. I, I want to hear what you guys have uh, to say about the Ouija board, and uh, I want to know if you guys have had any experiences dealing with a Ouija board. Uh, please write to me, tell me what those experiences are. I'd also like to remind you that if you enjoy the show, please click the follow and like buttons. It helps us to know what kind of content you guys are finding the most interesting. So, absolutely uh, appreciate everyone being here. Like I said, join me on the next episode. Uh, We're going to take an in-depth look at Missing Time. It should be a pretty interesting episode. And I look forward to seeing you guys there. From all of us at Mythic Radio, thanks for listening. And remember, don't wait for the unknown to come to you. Get out there and find it.